In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. In the first lesson from Hebrew scriptures today, we hear a story of Moses. It's a fascinating story of fear and of hope against all odds. What, after all, could ever compel a mother to put their child in a basket and float them down the river? What kind of suffering, what kind of oppression can cause you to hide your child the way that she does and then ultimately to try to save his life by creating a raft out of a basket, hoping against hope that as it flows down the river, she can depend on the kindness of strangers. It's a complicated story, even if it doesn't look at it first glance. And it's the beginning of a series of weeks when we will spend time with the story of Moses. What's clear in this passage this morning is that it has been a long time since Joseph was alive in Egypt and Pharaoh doesn't remember that the Israelites have been very helpful to the Egyptians, useful even, that God has blessed Egypt through the covenant with Israel. And since Pharaoh doesn't remember, he looks around at this multiplying population of foreigners and he's afraid. Afraid that at some point there will be too many of them, that these foreigners will dilute the culture and the power and the prestige of Egypt. So he tries a series of things to keep them from multiplying and growing so much. First hard labor, and then from there it goes downhill rather quickly. And in the darkest hours when Pharaoh commands violence, it is the women who are brave. The midwives find a way around the order. They explain it away. And through their actions, many are saved. But this only makes Pharaoh more determined. And then we zoom in on one story, on one family in the midst of the chaos, a mother who is about to be separated from her child because of her race, her ethnicity, and her religion. Moses is in danger. His mother hides him for three months and then finally tries to turn a basket into a raft with dirt and glue. She seals up the cracks in the basket and floats it down the river, hoping that something good will happen, hoping against hope that there will be a chance for him, that God has a plan. And indeed, God does have a plan, but not just for Moses. The waters have risen up around Israel, the waters of danger and oppression. And what rests in that raft in the child, Moses, is the freedom of all of God's people. It is a good plan, God's good plan for freedom and for hope. Through Moses, the whole people of God will be liberated. And Moses living out this plan will have the most incredible life, surely not without challenges and struggles and disappointments, not even without pain sometimes. But Moses will know love in a profound way love of God, love of neighbor. Moses will learn to love the whole people of God. And with God's help, Moses will be responsible for new life, for justice and for hope for so many. Because God, even when it looks like there is no way forward, God is always working on a way. It looks to the people of Israel at this moment in time that there is no hope, no escape, and the waters have risen up to their necks and they are tired of swimming and yet still God has a plan, a plan that is better and more wild and more perfect than anything they or we could imagine on our own. When Jesus arrives on the scene many, many years later, God's people are suffering again. And the waters that we heard about in the psalm, the raging waters that are overwhelming, the waters of oppression and of suffering and hypocrisy have risen up again, and the currents are strong. 
The people are weighed down by the rule of their Roman oppressors and they're weighed down by the religious piety of their leaders that has become hypocrisy. God gave Israel the law out of love to help them, to guide them, to show them the way to abundant life and right relationships. And so when Jesus is here, he rails against the hypocrisy of the religious elites of his day because they aren't enacting a law of love. They are using the law to lay heavy burdens on the shoulders of the people, to rest and live comfortably themselves on the sacrifices and the hard work of others. They exclude people. They decide who counts and who doesn't. And they rely far too much on their own status, privilege, power, and wealth. Jesus makes it clear that while they are following the letter of the law, they have missed the spirit of the law, which is love. God's people are trapped under the rule of a government that cares only about wealth and military might and provides nothing for God's people and under the weight of a class of religious elites who are profoundly corrupt. Both Rome and the Pharisees care very little for the people of God who are once again labeled as foreigners, this time in their own occupied land. This is the hopeless scene that Jesus enters. The waters are overwhelming. There appears to be no escape, no answer, no liberation. And yet, when it appears that there is no way, God has a plan for the good. And in this case, his name is Jesus of Nazareth. And this isn't just a plan for the good. This is the best plan for the good of all people. Because Jesus comes not just to free the people of God, but to offer freedom and peace and salvation and fulfillment to all people. In fact, to the whole world. God has a plan for the good. A wild plan that is one more time not quite what any of us could have imagined. A plan for Jesus to come and make a way out of no way by redeeming us on the cross, by showing us how to live, by teaching us about the sacrifice of love. He is the raft, the basket, the way for all people. While many things have changed since the time of Moses and Jesus, there are many things that also have not changed. Our waters are still choppy. For some of us, the waves are too tall and too rough. In our world, there are still too many who suffer, too many who are hungry or alone, marginalized or oppressed. We still focus too much on power and wealth. We still label foreigners. We make other people distant and different. We define people by categories. We still separate children from their parents, and we are still too quick to fight, not quick enough to build equality and work for justice, not quick enough to give our neighbors the things that we have that they need to live well. We are living in the midst of a global pandemic, and for many, the anxiety from that, the anxiety of keeping a family safe, of schools starting, the economic pressure from job loss, the distance and the separation, the isolation alone. For many of us, it is too much to bear. There are many for whom it appears there is no way forward. And if that's you, if you are anxious, if you can't see the way forward, if you are suffering or hurting, if you are lost and searching, God already has a plan for you. God's plans for Moses and for Jesus were laid down, already in motion, already begun, long awaited and well underway by the time they became visible to human eyes. And this is true for you too. God already has a plan for you, good plans, 
for you to have the abundant life that Jesus promises us, and at the last, for you to know eternal life, to find your place at the feast prepared from the foundation of the world, a place that has always been prepared just for you, to taste and see that the Lord is good, because God always makes a way out of no way. Even when we are surrounded and oppressed on every side by sadness, by suffering, even by death, God will always make a way. And here's the other thing. It is also just as likely that God's good plans for you also involve you being part of God's good plans for someone else. Moses and Jesus had incredible, tremendous human lives as did the prophets and saints who came before us, and that is because they were part of God's plans, part of God's good plans for other people. Often these folks found their life, their fulfillment, their joy by being part of the good plans that God had for someone else. Often, and in the cases of Jesus and Moses, sometimes for many someones else, for a whole people, for the liberation of others from whatever it is that is oppressing them and weighing them down. St. Paul reminds us this morning that we are many members of one body, each with a role to play, each with gifts to give, each called to make our bodies, ourselves, our lives, a living sacrifice. Like Peter, we are called to be the church, to invite the world around us through the gates to see and to know and to become part of the kingdom of God. But doing that takes tremendous faith. It looks like the faith of the midwives who do their part to stand up, who risk themselves for the sake of others, who find a way around the order, even though it's dangerous for them. It looks like the faith of Moses, his mother, who has to believe in a new story, who has to believe in something, who has to reach for new life for her child, a possibility against all odds. It looks like the faith of Paul, who in coming to Jesus has to give up everything that he has believed in, his status, his privilege, his power, everything he has amassed and created for himself, including his reputation. He has to reverse course entirely and become something new to be the apostle that we know. It looks like the faith of Peter, who, thanks be to God, gets it wrong so often. That should be hopeful for us. And yet sometimes has the brilliance and the heart and the presence of mind to give himself over, as he does in the gospel, to place his whole life, his whole heart, his whole faith in Jesus. And that's what he does this morning as he confesses his faith that Jesus is the Christ. An example for us of what it means to put all of ourselves into Jesus's hands. Paul and Peter, all the disciples and the apostles, including the women who followed Jesus, all become part of the grandest plan, of the plan that centers on Jesus to liberate all of God's people, to save the world. We call it the Jesus movement, the way of love, and the church. You became part of this at your baptism. You, too, became part of this movement, intended to be part of this liberating plan to let the oppressed go free, to feed the hungry, to balance the scales, to grant new life to God's people. So know today that for you, God will always make a way out of no way if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And remember that you may well be called to be part of God's good plan for someone or for many someones else. 
God may just be waiting for you to be part of building and enacting and sharing God's love and God's justice for someone who needs relief from the water that have risen up around us. So look for those opportunities and know that even now God is building a raft and making a way. Amen.